Welcome to Change the Stigma Podcast, where we dive deep into the senior living industry in a real and raw way. This podcast is sponsored by Sotir Senior Living and Family Advocates. Now here's your host, Troy Denall. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Troy Denall over at the Sotir Senior Living and Family Advocates Training Center. Welcome to episode two of our podcast. And I just wanted to kind of reach out and I figured let's just kind of navigate this and let's get down to the basics first. You know, instead of getting knee deep into some really heavy stuff, why don't we just kind of start with what are the levels of healthcare? You know, what are the different entities? What do they do? You know, between a hospital and hospice and home cares, you know, let's just learn a little bit about each of them. So we'll start with level one, and that's living independently. That's being at home, you know, where we all are at home, sitting on our couch, watching TV at night, eating dinner, going to work the next day. That's it. That's level one. Everybody's healthy, healthy, happy, moving along. Everything's great. Level two starts to pop up. And that's when it gets a little more difficult. That's when things start to, what we in the industry, we call activities of daily living, uh, ADLs. Those are things to where like doing the laundry, doing the dishes, mowing the grass, getting to and from the grocery store, um, making the bed. These things, when they become uh, difficult, when they become just it's taxing it wears me out and i gotta when it's a a full-blown day that i wake up in the morning i get dressed i get to the car i get to the grocery store i get back home i unload the groceries and as soon as i hit the couch i am exhausted right that is where uh, uh, the first real layer of healthcare comes into play and that's a uh, private duty home care the companionship services these are services the companionship services are otherwise known as those that don't really do a lot of touching they don't do a lot of physical hands-on care they do primarily there to help out with some light housekeeping they'll take you to and from grocery store they'll take you to a doctor's appointment they'll help out with the laundry they'll help out with those type of pieces around the house um, that's where private duty home care comes in and where they tick and traditionally private duty home care I've seen that they range from anywhere from $15. I've seen them go upwards of $22 an hour. That's traditionally where I've seen them, you know, depending on the number of hours that you bring on. Obviously, the more hours you put into a situation or, or that you need, um, the lower the price can go many times. And so that's kind of where private duty shows up. It is generally a private pay situation. Your insurance doesn't really cover it. Um, that's not a Medicare benefit that they come in and they do a, a private duty home care companion to come in now. They can if you get a doctor's order and you're getting some other services in. But traditionally, that's not just you're not going to get Medicare to cover somebody to come in to take you to the grocery store. That, that's, that's not going to happen. And so that's where that sits in. Then the next layer, when we get on to layer three, that is a private duty home care, but it is more of the skilled services. That is more hands-on, where you do have an individual that can come to your home and, and maybe help you get dressed in the morning, maybe help you take a shower. Um, they can come in and, and help out with, with changing. Um, it, it's, they, they, they're more hands-on. That's how we kind of look at them. And they range a little more expensive 
Again, I've seen those from 18 to 25 an hour traditionally. Um, you do find those services that are out there. There's those that maybe will do it and are, and are under the radar, but those that are that are more of a, of a, a licensed, uh, reputable business, that this is a business that they're running, that's, that's traditionally where they stick and where they sit. From there, now we're getting into things to where I've gotten beyond being able to to take a shower myself activities of daily living are, are helping me out and getting supported um you know i i have support that can come in and help me out with laundry and do the dishes and 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 help out with those pieces around the house i'll get the vacuuming done but i'm still needing more care it's still in the middle of the night when they're not there it's still not safe um and maybe i'm needing you know I, this is where you get into Medicare skilled services, where you're getting a physical therapist or an occupational therapist or a speech therapist or a nurse to come in on a regular basis to check out your meds and make sure that your meds are titrated correctly. And and then this also does have a home health aid component to where they can send somebody in to help out with those pieces. But it's 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 just a, an added layer of support. Primarily Medicare is, is involved because there's a skilled need. As a story goes, if, if I'm healthy, I'm at home, um, I have a fall and I, I hurt my knee and I go to the hospital and I get knee surgery and then I get sent home. Um, and a physical therapist comes to the house and they help me to rehab at home because maybe I've got a caregiver at home or I've got a wife or I've got a loved one, a daughter, a son, somebody around, uh, a good friend, somebody around to kind of look out for me. Um, but then we still need a, 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 a skilled therapist to come in to help with that strength training, to help to, to rehab that knee so it doesn't freeze up, to kind of get it flexible, to get the, the, to get the, the muscle built back up in the areas. It just kind of keep eye on what's going on to make sure that nothing uh, requires you having to go back in to get surgery again, because you definitely don't want that. So it's, it's more of a, these guys come in and that's where they tick. This is generally 100% covered by Medicare for cert period that they've gotten and medicare a flat medicare traditionally will come in and they and you can get as long when the 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 nurse that comes in in the beginning and does their initial evaluation will kind of develop a care plan and kind of bring it back to the team and they'll get it signed off on by the doctor to make sure that they, he agrees with what she or he the assessment initially was as to how to get you back to 100 percent so you're not having to have any skilled services coming in again at least in that regard now you could still need your your companionship services because even after the knee, you still may need some help with getting the lawn done or getting to and from the grocery store. But the skill on the knee is has been solved. They have they have rehabbed you and strengthened you back up and got you balanced and got you walking around and then you've met expectations. And so they will discharge. That whole process is is generally covered. And uh, that's a great thing. And it does include nurses. And again, with the occupational therapy, speech therapy, these are involved in, in, in a stroke situation where we're maybe having to learn to use, you know, our fine motor skills again, you know, how to, to get a fork to hold it right because the, the stroke's kind of taking that away. So it's just more of a of of all of those different components to try to get you back to independence. And that's where that sits. 
Once we get to a spot that we just, the four walls of our house really aren't safe anymore. You know, just being at home independent, I've had a number of falls. Um, I maybe I'm, I'm battling dementia and I've, I've left the house and I've gotten lost not knowing where to come back. You know, um, I've gotten in a car and ended up in Jacksonville. Um, that's a story. It's true. Uh, there's all kinds of everybody's I'm sure has seen as you're driving down the interstate, you've seen the silver alerts. You know, these are situations like that where it's just we want to live independently, but it's just not safe for us to be there. Uh, and so we do need like round the clock services. Because again, if you think about it, yeah, we could stay home. If we had that companion that you're talking about, the companionship services or the skilled services from private duty to come in, I could stay home. But sometimes it gets to be cost prohibitive because as we as we talked about, you're you're sitting at a $15 to $22 an hour situation. And if we do that math times 24 hours a day times seven days a week, times four weeks in a month it gets to be it gets to be pretty heavy it gets to be pretty daunting on our finances i mean to the point of ten twelve thousand dollars a month um it's really not a viable option for a lot of for a lot of folks out there um and so we have to start looking at some other avenues that may be more cost effective and that's where we start to look into more of an independent living type of situation or an assisted living situation outside of home now when we talk about independent living at home and we talk about independent living in a community they are some differences the independent living in communities a lot of times they do help out with a lot of those basics those adls they can help out with transportation they've got community transportation that'll take you to and from the grocery store they got you know maybe it's just not safe to drive or you know it's a vision issue or it just it just it's not safe for you to be traveling and driving yourself. You don't want to put any other people out on the road or any other families at risk. And so you've got a situation in an independent living community that they can get you to and from a doctor's appointment. They can get you to and from the grocery store. They can get you to and from the mall, get you to and from restaurants. They, can, they do a lot of just day trips and they go around to different places. I mean, and then you've got a, you've got an ability that they've got community centers where they've got, you know, functions and pools and whatnot, but they also have meals. Many independent living communities in our area, I know here in Brevard County, Florida, that that many of the independent living communities, they provide meals, or at least a couple of them. You know, it just depends on what you what you would like to pay for. But they're traditionally not as expensive. Um, I mean, they range from what I've seen is about about $2,000 that they can go on up from there, depending on the type of lifestyle you're looking for independently. I mean, they go up to, they can be pretty expensive if you start to get into the upper echelon and the, the very nice glitz and glam and, and those type of pieces. But when you're, when you're just trying to, to look around, there are those out there that you can find for two grand, 2,500, even less than that. If you find, start to get into like a, there are those that are even more government subsidized um, that are like in, in our area we've got a trinity towers and we've got a titusville towers and we've got a number of them that are that are in our area that they take a percentage of uh, crane creek being another one but uh they take a percentage of your of your income and then leave you the rest of it obviously to 
to do with as you will, but and and that works out great. And so many times these have extended wait lists just due to the demand on them. Um, but they're perfect. They're great communities. Provide meals. They provide transportation. A lot of them centrally located. They've got uh, doctors. A lot of times will come into those communities and they just they 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 perform and provide some services that that you have available to you that you don't have available to you uh, traditionally at your home. I mean, yeah, you could use Uber. That's true. You could use some other type of transportation services to come in. There's Meals on Wheels. You know, those type of layers of support that can help you to stay independent at home. Um, but traditionally in a community, that's that's where that one ticks. And that's where independent living communities kind of kind of jump in and, and they fall into level five of our 10 levels of health care. From there, now we're digging into and we're getting into more acute care. We're getting into assisted living. Assisted living being those that they aren't, this isn't a nursing home. This is a, these are designed for those that need more support with a larger number of your ADLs. Um, maybe you need help with medication management. A lot of times independent living communities aren't going to provide that unless you pay for it. Um, which can happen in some of them, but many of them, that's not a, that's not an option. So medication management's there. You've got staff available for you 24 hours a day. And the costs of these traditionally vary um, according to your level of care need. Uh, they have apartment style living. They've got studio rooms. There's shared living arrangements. There's even uh, homes, many of them, that are out in the community. I know here in, again, I keep talking about Brevard County, and I know this will go out all over the country, but it's one of those that here in Brevard County specifically, there are around 150 different assisted living communities. They're licensed by the Agency for Healthcare Administration, by ACA. 150. A lot of people think, okay, well, I driving down the road i may know of 10 and that's where these small family care homes or these small assisted livings come in and they come into play because that's the vast majority of the assisted livings that we do have around here now a lot of times when you when you talk about group homes and you talk about smaller assisted livings we'll go back to that media thing the media wants to glamorize a lot of the issues and problems that are out there and they pigeonhole and sometimes they're coming after nursing homes or larger assisted livings and a lot of times they come after these smaller ones too and the smaller communities, they have the same license that hangs on the wall in some of these big apartment-style assisted livings, the same license that hangs on the wall at these smaller communities. Just where one's licensed for 150, one's licensed for five. ACA comes in with the same, the same sheet to kind of do their inspection reports. They find them the same way. They have to follow the same models to get to be regulated and licensed by the state of Florida, but they're just licensed for a smaller amount. And so that three-bedroom house that you've traditionally lived your, your life in, um, that three-bedroom house may be able to have five residents in it. And so there's advantages and disadvantages to each size. You know, it's all depend on your personality and what you like. But it's one that, that these smaller assisted livings Again, they have an ability to provide the same level of services. They've got many of them that are run by nurses. Many of them, you know, they, they can pivot well. They can, they can 
to and from doctor's appointments. They provide transportation, activities. They do all of the above that a lot of the bigger ones do. Bring in, you know, people for whatnot. The doctors show up on site. They've got podiatrists. They've got, you know, the home care, the Medicare home care that we were talking about before. Yeah, they can come right into that community without a problem at all. Just like any other care facility, it's just a smaller environment. And so in a lot of times, many folks are kind of gravitate that way. Now, many, many folks, there's, there's, I, I absolutely love so many big assisted livings as well. So I'm not picking one versus the other, but I'm just saying they both have their advantages. They really do. And so that's where the assisted living comes in. Now, assisted living as an, as a norm is not funded via insurance. The only insurance that really covers assisted living is your long-term care insurance. And not a lot of people get or, or have kind of adopted a long-term care insurance policy and paid on it for years. And many times is so unfortunate. And I hope the person that's out there that's hearing this, that this hits your ears, that if you've been paying on a long-term care insurance policy and your, your budgets are tight and you're like, oh, I think I can just let this one go, do not let it go. Don't let it go. Keep it. It is one of those you've put a lot into it and it will serve you so well here down the road because many of them have policies in place that where it'll pay $150 to $300 a day for your needs in an assisted living environment. So guess what happens then? It's completely paid for. And now you're getting to keep your Social Security. And you didn't even know that that little guy, that little piece of paper that I've paid on forever, actually had this huge of a benefit as we got down the road. And so there's that. But that's normally the, the that's the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Not a, whole, a lot of people have caught up to that one. And not a lot of people have, have gone out and put a long-term care insurance policy in place. Or at least kept it for that period of time. So that's where... That comes in, so it's we're looking at a private pay environment, and now we're getting into the rabbit hole of how we pay for it. Now that'll be other podcasts. Today I'm going to focus on just the different levels of healthcare, and different layers of it. But assisted living is traditionally a private pay environment. It traditionally runs from 2,500 on up. I have known and seen assisted livings that can be, you know, there are memory care communities that are upwards of $6,000, $7,000 a month. If you're up north, those can get even higher. So it's, uh, it's one of those that that's where this private pay and trying to understand and get in front of these things and, and understanding if I'm a veteran, what benefits that I can use to pay for it. And just getting in contact with somebody to help you try to create a plan is important. So... From there, once we get out of the assisted living, the next layer of healthcare that we're going to look at is a skilled nursing facility, otherwise known as a, a nursing home. Okay, These skilled nursing facilities, you may hear them in the industry. We call them SNFs. SNFs as in a skilled nursing facility, S-N-F, SNF. That's kind of where that, that comes in there. Um, There are two sides to every one of these facilities. Um, you've got your short-term rehab side, where similar to the story that I told you before, we're outside, we're mowing the grass, we fall, we bust up our knee, and off to the hospital we go. We get knee surgery, but we don't have somebody at home. We don't have somebody that can kind of care for us, or we do have somebody that care for us that would want to, but they're just not physically able. 
I'm a 250-pound man, and I've got a 120-pound wife at home that loves me to death, but it's probably not safe for her to try to get me to and from the bathroom. So it's just one of those that uh, that's where a skilled nursing facility comes in, at least that rehab side absolutely wonderful they come in you've got extensive therapy that happens on a daily basis that is traditionally covered by your medicare benefit even a lot of medicare replacement plans that they have cover these stays um they follow up after a hospital stay traditionally you've got to have a three-day qualifying overnight stay in a hospital to get admitted into a skilled nursing facility here during COVID, the one blessing that we've got in healthcare that kind of was nice was the federal government lifted the restriction for us that you don't have to have the three-day qualifying stay. So here recently, we've been able to do more direct admits without having the stays in a hospital. But traditionally, that's kind of how it works. You do a three-day qualifying stay in a hospital, and then you can go directly over into a rehab facility, and they will keep you until you're ready to to be physically able to return home and they prep you there's many of these communities that have had they got makeshift kitchens in them where they can kind of work on fine motor skills of making sure that you can get to and from the refrigerator to wash dishes trying to work on those pieces in a rehab setting it's really cool some of these rehab gyms that they've gotten some of these skilled nursing facilities are really impressive and the rehab teams are are very very good at getting people ready dusted off and back home the other side of these are what everybody in the world kind of knows is the nursing home side they're the long-term side um they traditionally uh they're more again it's 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 those that don't have the funds to be able to support an assisted living environment and that's where they've they've but they need the care and they can't get it from home so that's where the long-term side of rehab comes in and they do a, the best job and a great job it's just certain situations it, it can be you know many times you know people that go into skills they see it as sad and it's uh it is sad in in a number of cases because it just unfortunately some decisions have led to we, we weren't able to to, to have the funds or we just had a run of luck you know I, I say that but on the flip side you know it's just there are so many situations to where you've had one spouse as the primary breadwinner and the other spouse is not and then when that spouse passes they don't get all of the the, the social security that the other spouse had and so then they don't have the funds to be able to keep their house up and then they just get thrust into a really difficult situation it's just that's where we just want to try to help these families and get in front of it to try to help to guide them, to help them to, to understand what benefits may be out there before we get to that point and to be proactive so that families can get things set and in place so we don't have these issues or, or these, these situations where we're leaving our spouse in a, in a tough spot. So that's the skilled nursing facility. The second side uh, from there. Now we're getting into the hospital system because the hospital system's what sent us there, right? So most hospitals, they're short-term acute care hospitals. Here in the area, we've got one called Holmes Regional. We've got Palm Bay Hospital. We've got Wustoffs. We've got, you know, there are every hospital or most hospitals that we all traditionally know that, hey, we're going to go to the ER. That's a short-term acute care hospital. That's what they're called. And their purpose in life is to get you stable, and to discharge you that is your job it's not anymore 
difficult than that. They've got one purpose and that's it. They're not there for a long-term situation. They're there to get you stable and to discharge you. That's it. Every single time. So that's their job from surgeries all the way on down to, hey, I came in, skinned up my knee. We're going to give you a butterfly stitch and send you home. That's it, right? That's short-term acute care. Then we get into level nine. Level nine is our LTAX, the long-term acute care hospital. We're blessed here in, in our, our area to have a, a hospital system called Kindred. Kindred being a long-term acute care hospital. It's a, traditionally, it's a 30-day minimum stay. Um, a lot of times it's those that are on ventilators that just have more complex, acute needs that aren't going to be solved in just a, a few days. And so we, we have to get over to a setting to where they can do some, they can look after you more extensively. They can be more flexible and be in pivot very quickly if something were to go awry. That's where the kindred system comes in and those long-term acutes come in. From there, our 10th layer is kind of our, our, our rogue. It's kind of, and everybody knows hospice. And that's, that's our, our 10th layer. Now, hospice, when I say hospice and why it's rogue, is because hospice fits in in all kinds of areas along this continuum of healthcare that we've been discussing. Uh, hospice, a lot of times, if there's a need, they have a, a component of them that's palliative care where they can come in and they can do services for a short period of time and then leave. You know, everybody thinks of hospice as just the death and dying, and they, they're phenomenal organizations that really are there for support for families and loved ones and the individuals themselves as they're navigating this the the transition and it's one that but there are many layers to hospice it's not just one layer so and this is covered by your medicare benefit and so the they they do a, a great job but there's a lot of layers and so as if you're at home hospice can come in for a little bit if you're in a skilled facility they can come in for a little bit. If you're in an assisted living, hospice can come in to add a layer of support. They can bring in home health aides. They can bring in nurses. They can bring in their own doctors to try to help uh, with either the last phases, to help with a lot of pain, to help with you know the, the anxieties and stress, but they also can can be there as, as emotional support and they can be there in a lot of different layers. I can't say enough about the job that hospice does for for our our seniors and for our families that are that are out there navigating the the, the last chapter of the last days. So that's just a little nutshell, guys. I wanted to kind of just give a little blurb on kind of layers of healthcare, let y'all know what they all do. If you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to put them down below in the comments sections, or you can always reach out to us on on our email. Uh, feel free uh, to touch bases with us on our Facebook. You can reach out to us on YouTube. You can reach out to us just on our website itself. If you've got any questions, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, thanks for, for listening, and I'm looking forward to so talking to you again here soon. Sayonara.